Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Following up on almost a year after President Joe Biden signed the executive order on improving the nation's cybersecurity, I wanted to hear from the Defense Department about what they're doing to implement a zero trust approach to cybersecurity. Implementing zero trust across such an enormous enterprise is just that, an enormous task. But it's a task that Angel Faneff, CISO for Army Software Factory, is willing to tackle head-on. The Army Software Factory is a software development unit for soldiers and by soldiers, located in Austin, Texas. Army Software Factory relies on the DevSecOps method to rapidly develop and iterate software solutions for the U.S. Army. Angel Faneff stepped into the CISO role in August 2021 after a cyber stint at DOD's first-ever software factory, Kessel Run, which serves the U.S. Air Force. Angel joined me today to discuss her cyber priorities and challenges, and also discuss how Army Software Factory discovered the Log4j software vulnerability last year, and how they addressed it. So to start off the conversation today, I would like to follow up on something you said at our Cyberscape ID event that zero trust interoperability is a big challenge facing DOD right now as the different service branches implement their own zero trust solutions. How is Army Software Factory coordinating with the Department of the Army on this? And what do you think are the most important tenets of zero trust for DOD to adopt? So uh, we're working with the ECMA team and Paul Puckett on ensuring interoperability. And we've also partnered with the NSA Zero Trust team to ensure that what's being put in place is in line with the highest standards of the Department of Defense. Um, the biggest thing that I think the challenge that I've come up against is finding those different people within the Army that want to do zero trust and making sure that we're connecting. Um, there is not a zero trust working group within the Army, so maybe that's something I should start, um, but I would say I've connected with a lot of people through LinkedIn uh, that are in the Army, and then, yes, we communicate uh, on official channels and start sharing information. So. I would say one of the most important things that we're doing for Zero Trust is being able to set that standard and being able to pass it along to everyone else within the Army. And what would you say are the most important tenets of Zero Trust that, in your opinion, everyone in DOD should adopt, regardless of different mission sets or different communication systems? I feel like I always say the same answer, but it's understanding what you're doing. Um, having a real true understanding of what zero trust means and how you are going to implement it in your environments. Uh, I feel like a lot of the time we use buzzwords that can often lead to, well, what are you really doing? So I feel like the just the starting line is get everyone on the same page to understand how you're going to implement this because zero trust is a forever thing that you have to carry along with. It's not something that you implement once and you, you leave it and you're done. Sure. So what are your top cyber priorities for 2022? And how does your work in cyber at Army Software Factory impact cyber across the Department of the Army? And can you describe your security plan for Army Software Factory? 
So uh, I can give you a high level <laughs> of what our plan is, but our top priorities are definitely implementing zero trust and code security. Uh, we're in a brand new landscape for a lot of the army of the work that we're doing. So being able to lead the charge on zero trust implementation and making sure that code secure is our number one plan. Our security plan is really built around implementing the highest standards and collaboration with our government partners so that we are creating secure infrastructure that is flexible and that can adjust with the constantly changing attack vectors. We have an aggressive roadmap, um, but we have a lot of really talented people on our team. So it makes our timeline a little more realistic. At the Army Software Factory, we have been able to attract top talent because we're working with the latest technology and those people really wanna change the DOD, but they also wanna be at the cutting edge of technology. So uh, we have a pretty aggressive roadmap on what's our, on our plan for 2022. And uh, yeah, I would say we're, I can't give much more details on that. <laughs> of course. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on code security and why code security in particular is a top priority for you this year. So I think as we come in, as the DOD has more software factories that are popping up, more software factory initiatives, understanding what secure code is versus just writing code um, is is a big challenge and a big thing that we want to make sure that we're teaching. And that is something that we're teaching at the Army Software Factory. So as we are training these soldiers to read and write code and understand it, we're also baking in how to do that securely and giving that educational piece because you can write a piece of code and it's not necessarily secure and that might not matter. But when you're designing systems that our warfighters are going to be using, it's so important that we teach why code security is important and then teach them how to do that. And so they'll take that skill with them throughout their whole career. What role does DevSecOps, speaking of code and code security, play in your security vision for Army Software Factory? So DevSecOps is the foundation of my security vision. I think there was a time in the DOD when uh, DevSecOps was experimental which is why I think you saw some of the software factories had like Kessel Run had uh, Kessel Run Experimental Labs and it was known as like KREL for a long time. And that's how you always can like identify an OG uh, from KR is they'll, they'll say KREL because uh, it was Experimental Labs. Well, I really think that time is in the past and I think it's now integral part of how the DOD operates and develops new capabilities. I think ignoring uh, this would be a misstep. And if I was to read the tea leaves on the DOD landscape, I would lean forward into DevSecOps. And if you look at the memos that are coming out from the DOD CIO office, you'll see that they're doing all of the same thing too. So to follow up on that a little bit, the DoD software modernization strategy obviously prioritizes software factories like yours and Castle Run. And they also talk a lot about software supply chain security and software bills and materials. Is that a priority for you guys at Army Software Factory as well? Absolutely. You came from Castle Run, speaking of Castle Run. What were your top lessons learned about cyber there? And how do you think software factories can help improve cyber across DOD as a whole? So I think the most valuable cyber lesson from Kessel Run is that cyber needs to be an active part of every piece 
of the software factory business. And so cyber doesn't just belong to one team, that's the cybersecurity team. It really belongs to all of us. And I think this goes beyond the technology. It's involving uh, or thinking of cyber when you're writing contracts and acquisitions to ensuring that the cyber capabilities, support and requirements are being baked into every of the business. So, you know, our acquisition folks, our contracting folks, they kind of have to put cyber in thought when they're writing these contracts or purchasing new products. I think this is a lesson that can be applied to every software factory and every program across the DoD. Can you discuss the importance of the continuous ATO model and how it can improve an organization's overall cyber posture and I would love to hear your thoughts on what it means now that DOD is really pushing this continuous ATO approach to cybersecurity. The continuous ATO provides an authorization model that matches operational modern an operational model of the modernized DOD. I think adaptability is key in cyber and having an authorization that is adaptable and capable of quickly changing the security landscape ensures that organizations can respond effectively to any threat. The continuous ATO requires real-time understanding of your security and compliance posture, and this has much improved the stance from the old snapshot in time that didn't give a whole program, didn't hold a whole program accountable. So I oftentimes we would see you know, you got an ATO and you got a three-year ATO. People wouldn't touch those controls for three years. And so over the course of three years, your posture changed. Uh, so the continuous ATO kind of forces you to continuously revisit your work and making sure that you are up to date with all of the stuff that you should be so that you can really understand the risk. Are you able to discuss any of the challenges that you were facing with the traditional ATO model before switching over to continuous ATO? So, yeah, I think um, I had worked as a contractor on uh, an app uh, at a Panscom Air Force Base, and they had a three-year ATO, and the, the controls just weren't touched in three years. And so when it was time to go up for an ATO, everything had changed. Uh, so that was a change in the traditional, having a traditional ATO. Continuous ATO, everyone has to be involved constantly. You're consistently going back through all of that information and actively changing it as your posture changes, as your uh, program changes, you're updating it. So I'd say one of the biggest I've seen is with the old ATO is just people uh, leaving stuff for three years and then trying to update it right before their ATO. Gotcha. And I imagine that creates more work and an even bigger lift when you're operating under that kind of model. Absolutely. So I wanted to go back to the software build and materials question, SBOMs. I'm curious on how you think they can improve cyber across DOD. And I'm interested in what you think this would practically look like at places like Army Software Factory. Yeah, so SBOMs have been critical as attacks have come upon software. A software bill of materials is really the ingredients that make up software components. So understanding the makeup of where gives you the ability to be able to protect it, identify it, and be able to there's new threats against it. It's better tracking of the component, the library of the versioning, so that if something like 
log4j happen able to go quickly and look at your software and be able to identify where you have that information. So speaking of Log4j and software supply chain attacks, what are some of the top cyber challenges facing DoD in your opinion? I imagine software vulnerabilities are one of them. And what are some good first steps for addressing them in your opinion? So the top cyber challenges facing the DOD enterprise, I think, is culture and how the DOD approaches cyber in a modernization effort. We have a lot of folks who need to be upskilled and while still doing their day-to-day -day job, and that's hard. How do we push a workforce to lean forward, understand new skills, new technology, while still continuing to do their job successfully? We need to change the culture while we're creating a safe space for them to learn while not making them feel overwhelmed. And I think a lot of that comes from we as leaders and managers want to grow our people and we face a lot of challenges with that. The traditional GS system, it, it makes it really challenging to give up people for a few weeks so that they can go get upskilled because who's going to do their job while they're gone? So I think that's one of the top challenges that the DOD faces is being able to upskill the workforce. I think education is the best tool for this. Education on what DevSecOps is, the modern risk, why it's critical, and being able to drive security culture change in an environment that is consistently changing over and over again. I think that's one of our biggest challenges. Has DOD reached out to software factories like you guys to brainstorm solutions for addressing the culture problem and upskilling workers, especially when it comes to cyber? Absolutely. I think all of our senior leaders see the problem. It's how do we how do we change it on a very, very large scale is challenging. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we are up against. And you'll see different areas within the DOD that are already popping up and trying to make the change themselves. But when you have a workforce of, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people, it becomes very challenging. So can you walk me through how Army Software Factory and Create discovered and mitigated the Log4 shell vulnerability? Yeah, so we actually have a really great uh, a post, a blog post on LinkedIn about this that gives all the details. But one thing that's not reflected in that is that we identified the vulnerability before any agency or anyone else identified it to us. It was actually several of our soldiers that, you know, were saw something pop up on Twitter, an article was just posted, one saw it on Reddit, and they immediately started flooding our internal channels. Hey, I think we're impacted by this. And it was literally a matter of seconds before everyone was able to respond. And within under 24 hours, we completely were able to uh, mitigate the mitigate the vulnerability. But some members were alerted for the log for shell. And before it came down from the official comms, which was awesome, because it just shows that we have a lot of soldiers that are tapped into industry that are tapped into technology that are looking for things that are hearing things. Uh, and so as soon as we got it, we were able to identify it and work with our teams to remediate it. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty amazing story, especially given that you wouldn't normally think that soldiers are software engineers who can address these sorts of things. But I kind of feel like that's the goal of 
places like Army Software Factory and Kessel Run. And that's kind of the future of DOD is training soldiers to respond to cybersecurity vulnerabilities within the tech that they're using and to basically be software engineers, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Angel. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Kate, for going back and forth, all else coordinating this. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for helping get the message out about the Army Software Factory and the really great, amazing work that our soldiers are doing. Thank you. Spearheading zero trust interoperability efforts at DOD is no small feat. Ensuring secure, interoperable data transfer between services and DOD components will be critical for JADC2. DOD software factories are on the cutting edge of defense innovation, but new tech tools and processes only go so far if different components have different standards for sharing those tools and sharing data securely. As all of DOD gears up for zero trust architecture, ANGEL's work to facilitate information sharing and common zero trust standards will transform the future of DOD IT and cybersecurity. To get deep analysis and insider perspectives on what's trending in federal cybersecurity, subscribe to and follow Cybercast and visit our website at governmentciomedia.com. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 